We're going to continue on our series called The Power of Words. We've been on this for some time. You know, we've had some other services in the, the past few weeks. So we've had some other uh, topics, but those, those other, I believe this is part four, the other services, the earlier parts of this are on the website, they're on YouTube, they're on Facebook, they're on Spotify, they're on Apple Podcasts. You can catch up and uh, listen to those. But let's look at uh, Proverbs 18, verse 21. We'll recap a little bit and get into what we have this morning. Talking about the power of words. Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's pretty strong. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So this isn't, this isn't something that's just a, a side issue. This isn't something that is not important. You know, if somebody's talking about something being important, it, whether it's important or not, sometimes, well, it's not life and death, somebody will say. Or it's, you know, nobody's going to die. Sometimes something, it is life and death. How important is this? It's an emergency. Well, this is saying that death and life are actually in the power of the tongue. So whether something lives or dies, so many things, our life, the direction, uh, you know, our relationships, our body, there's so many things that are influenced here. It literally says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So this is very important. I would say more important than most people believe. And most people know. Matthew 12, verse 37. It says, For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. This is Jesus speaking. By, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So words are important. Jesus said, you're, by, by what we say, we're either going to be justified, that's acquitted, or we're going to be condemned. Words are important. The Bible says that's how we get born again, is by confessing with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believing in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, if you bring that up, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Jesus said, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Jesus said that. He said, if you believe what you say, what you say is what's going to happen. Most people don't believe that. I'd say most of the church world doesn't believe that. Well, people say, well, I'm just saying I'm not knocking or condemning anybody. I've said it, you know. Well, I'm just saying this, blah, blah, blah. But we got to be careful 
are we dumbing down what we're saying? If we really don't think what we say matters, then we're not lining up with the Bible. There is not any real place ever where there's a break from this. Like where, well, right now I can say whatever I need to because, you know, I'm just getting it out of my system. Our words matter. Always. Now, we don't need to condemn ourselves. This is not a condemning thing, but we need, do need to be aware. Okay, you can't change the past, but you can change the future. I'm sure everybody in here, we've all say some, said things that we wish we could take back. I don't need a show of hands. I know every single person in here. You, you have said something that you wish you could take back. You wish you wouldn't have said it. Well, okay, so that's past. You can't do anything about that specifically. You can't unsay it. Now, maybe you need to say, maybe you need to make amends with somebody. Maybe you need to do something. Maybe you need to uh, talk to somebody about it. Or there are things that, that you can do. But it's not going to do any good to beat, beat ourselves up over what we've said or done. Because then all you're going to do is continue that going forward. You're just going to be condemned. So that means you're, you're going to end up doing more of it. And just the cycle continues. So don't do that. But on the same, at the same time, we need, to, we need to be aware of the importance of these things. Not so we can start walking, you know, just completely uptight, but we need to realize it's important. And so we need to go, God, help me. Help me to walk out these things the way you would have me to walk them out because I want to use my tongue for good and not for evil. I want to make my tongue do its duty and, and help it to propel me forward, not to make me go backwards. Because if we believe what the Bible says about it, how important our words are, then when we're saying things, we're either setting a good course or setting a bad course. And if we have the mindset, well, it does, I'm just saying it, I don't really mean it, I'm, I'm going to just, you know, then I'll, then I'll correct everything. By saying certain things, we're still setting a course. You, it can take hold more than we realize. And you think, just to think, well, I'll undo it. That's never a good place to be. Well, I'm just going to do this, but, you know, I really don't mean it. I'll, I'll repent tomorrow. The problem with that is there's a hardening factor with sin. And so you may not want to repent tomorrow. You guys okay? Well, I'm just going to, I'm going to, you know, I don't really care. I've just basically shut everything off tonight. doesn't matter, but tomorrow I'll get back on. You may not want to get back on tomorrow. And that's the problem. We don't want to get, we don't want to mess with things that are going to hurt us. And so there is, uh, <clears throat> there, there is a, very much a pressure to say the wrong thing because what you say is the direction you're going to go in and we do have an enemy his name is satan so if if your words are charting your course you are going to have pressure to say the wrong words because satan doesn't want you to experience good he wants you to go in the wrong direction god wants you to go in the direction of life so we need to Know that we can yield to what God says and His words and His truth. If we'll let those things come out of our mouth, then we're charting a course 
for life. James 3, verse 1, we read this too. Let's, let's read um, a few verses here. It says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Every time I read that. You see what that said? My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. This is not our topic, and I've said some of it before. But every time I read that, as somebody who teaches the Word of God, it is not a flippant thing to teach the Word of God. People say, oh, I just want to do... Read the verse. It is not... It's a holy thing. It's a reverent thing. God's Word is precious, and it's true. It is truth in the Word, and we need to handle it as such. God says, you don't add to it, you don't subtract from it. And to preach and teach the word, yet to be, it's uh, the word I'm looking for, for to be um, faithful, I don't think that's the word I was looking for, but, but true to what it's saying, not our opinion. Because don't you know there's so many things in this world where people, people write whole books, Quote like two verses at the beginning and then just write their opinion and act like that's what the Bible's saying. That's really dangerous. And you have people that come and think, well, it's the Bible. And then they, they think everything that was quoted or what was said as philosophy, well, they quoted some Bible verses. Satan quotes Bible verses. The devil quotes Bible verses. You've got to rightly divide the word of God. And just because there's, you know, somebody quotes a verse or half a verse and then has a bunch of opinion and says, well, that, that means this and this, you have to rightly divide it. And there are winds of doctrine that come around every few years and people, well, they, 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 they'll just throw out a few verses and like, well, that's it. And you have whole, peop, whole areas of people that, that follow after these things. We have to let, let the word of God stand for itself. If it's really true, it's going to be there more than once in the scripture. It's going to be, you're going to see it throughout the word. The principle's going to be there because it's true. You don't have to try to force it. You don't have to try to massage words. You can look at it in different places. You can look at it in different translations and real translations, and it will all back up. If it's something that you're feeling like, man, I just don't see it. It feels like I have to do gymnastics to make this work. Then drop it. If you're feeling that, then just maybe there are mental gymnastics or spiritual gymnastics or whatever you want to say that are trying to happen to make this work. It will be plain from the word of God that this is true. I'm telling you, look at this. People will talk about this subject we're on. They will mock it and act like, oh, you know, blab it, grab it, name it, claim it. They have not read the word of God. So that's why we're going over scriptures because it's not what people think. It's not hocus pocus. Either just the scriptures we've read this morning, they're either true or they're not. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, we've, we've talked about a few things and we're going to talk about more. Either it's in the word of God or it's not. Either our, our words actually determine our destiny and they change things or they're not. We're not talking about a cult. We're not talking about somebody's crazy magical idea. We're talking about 
the fact that God has placed in mankind authority on this earth and what, the pe what people say is going to go and God will back it up. And if you say what God said, He will back that up in your life and one of the ways you release faith and cause it to come to pass in your life is by declaring it and speaking it out just like we do in the natural it, when you sign a contract, those are your words written. And you are bound by it. When people go to court, their testimony, what they say, can literally mean the difference between somebody dying and somebody living. And it's the same as we go through this life. What we say matters. It's not just what we say, but then we just live life it actually makes spiritual forces react. Angels are at the ready to make our words come to pass. Amen. And there are demons that are waiting to work with something that will give them that's negative. Nobody wants to hear that. But it's true. And so there is a whole realm behind the scenes. And see, if you don't believe that there's any kind of spiritual realm... Well, then, you know, and it's just all you see is the natural, and that's all there is. Well, you can see why people would believe your words don't mean anything, because it's just you can't change anything. But if you believe that God created the heavens and the earth with his words, and he put men, he created men. See, if, you, if people don't believe, even Christians don't believe that God actually created humans, like they believe it was assisted by evolution or something, you run into all kinds of problems in, in how you think. If you don't really believe there's miracles in the Bible or somehow that's just, you know, they're just stories, well, yeah, in, in your ability to comprehend Scripture and truth, you're going to be severely crippled. But if you believe what the Word of God says and that there is a supernatural being, God Almighty, that has always existed, always has been, always will be, and by His Word... The, the heavens and the earth were created, and he put Adam, and we talked about this at length in the, the second message in this series, and if you had, didn't hear it, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. He put Adam in dominion over this earth. Adam named all the animals. He had dominion and control, and he bowed his knee to Satan. He listened to Satan, did what Satan told him to do. So Satan has a place as the God of this world, as in control. And so men have authority, whether they're going to listen to the God of this world, Satan, or God supreme, God Almighty. And a lot, a lot of the way we, dic we do that in our own life is by speaking words, agreeing with God or agreeing with Satan. And so if you believe what the Bible says and believe that the power of God is able to change natural things and the miracles recorded in the Bible actually happened, it's not hard to believe what we're talking about, that your words are taken and supernaturally made to come to pass. They will, it's not just positive thinking like, well, of course, if I say something over, I'm just trying to encourage myself. It's way more than that. It is actually determining where you're going and there's supernatural help in one way or another, in one direction or help another to make that come to pass. Amen. So let's go back to James again. James 3, verse 1. So we need to be careful what we hear. We need to be careful what we read. We need to be careful that we're not just basing 
our beliefs on half a verse and an old saying or a bunch of lyrics to a song. <laughs> but it's actually the Word. James 3, verse 1 says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a, a stricter judgment. Verse 2, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect or mature man. That word perfect is complete, mature. It's not, means perfection the way like, you know, 100% on a test or something. It's, it's a mature person. So if some, anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle the whole body. So if you don't stumble in word, you're actually able to do, if you can control your mouth, you can control your body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and when we, and we turn their whole body, look also at ships, although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. How? He's, he's given two examples, a bit in a horse's mouth and a rudder on a boat. He's saying the, the horse and the boat are controlled by something very small. The bit controls the horse, and the rudder controls the, the, the boat, but he's likening it to the mouth controlling the person. And so we know that. It controls where we go. Now let's look at Ephesians uh, 4, verse 25. We read this, and then we're going to go further into what we have specifically this morning. <clears throat> Ephesians four twenty-five says, Therefore put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. As an aside, because we're talking about words, it says, therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with, the, with, with his neighbor. Lying is one of the worst things you can do. Did you hear me? Lying is the nature of the devil. The devil, is the Bible calls him the father of lies. It's a deception, trying to deceive somebody, lying to them is devilish. It is one of the worst things that you can do is to lie because you are actually siding directly. You're being like the devil. And it says put away. Don't, don't. Look, if it, if it hurts to say the truth, you say the truth. If you can't say something truthfully, then don't say it. Don't massage the truth. Don't, don't, well, somebody will have their feelings hurt. Then say what you can say. This goes along with what we're going to be saying. Say, say what you can say truthfully. Otherwise, it's a lie. Well, it's a white lie. No, it's a lie. There's no gray. It, it's a lie. Well, it, it, it'll hurt people's feelings if we say the truth. <laughs> it'll hurt people's feelings when they find out you're lying. Don't lie. Just be like God. If you can't say it truthfully, don't say it. Brother Hagin would say that. He said, you know, I, I would not say something that I can't say. If I couldn't say something to somebody that I really meant, I wouldn't say it or I'd find a way to say it that I could still be truthful, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying what I needed to say. You know, sometimes that's very uncomfortable. Keep your mouth shut because people just expect something. But if you're going to be a person of integrity and, and somebody that lines up with God's word, some things you just can't say. Well, everybody's saying that to them. Just make them feel good. Not saying you tell them. You know, there's a lot of things you just don't say. 
It might be the truth, but you just don't need to say it. Let me go on because I'm getting into what we're going to say here, but it's referring to lying. It, it's, it's all related. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Talked about that. Don't, you know, anger is not evil. But you don't want, you, you don't need to sin when you're angry. Jesus was angry, but he never sinned. Don't give place to the devil, because when you, when you sin, when you're angry, then now, you start, now you're on the devil's territory. You don't want that. Verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed with the day of redemption or for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Let's go back to verse 29. It says let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. So we talked a lot about in the third, the, the third uh, message in this series about no corrupt word. Don't let that come out of your mouth. It says, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers? So it's saying, what, what should you be saying? It should impart grace to the hearers. Look at verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We'll come back to that, I believe. But look at verse 29 in the Amplified Classic. It says, let no foul or polluting language, nor evil, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others, as is fitting to the need and the occasion that it may be a blessing and give grace God's favor to those who hear it. Let's read that again. Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil, or, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth. For only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others, as is fitting to the need and the occasion, that it may be a blessing and give grace, God's favor, to those who hear it. In the NLT, let's look at verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So talking about that your words should give grace to the hearers. Here, that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. It said that they will be good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others. 
as is fitting to the need and to the occasion, that they'll be a blessing. We're talking about what our words should be, that they'll, they'll give grace to the hearer. They'll impart grace to the hearer, that anybody that hears them, there'll be grace, there'll be edification, there'll be a building up. I like the way it said that it will... Uh, be beneficial to the spiritual progress of others. Because <laughs> after all, what are we doing here on the earth? Not what a lot of people think. You know, they, they have all kinds of, you know, we're just all kinds of pursuits. Going after this thing or that thing or whatever. But the purpose, what we're doing on the earth. We're number one, we're created to worship God, but we're still on the earth to get a job done, which is to preach the gospel, to grow in your relationship with God, to preach the gospel, to run your race with the people around us so that we can get out of here. But So that's really what it's about, is the spiritual aspect of this earth. So if we're saying stuff that, that actually hinders other people, or is not giving grace, then we're going in the wrong direction. It's real easy. I mean, this is like a litmus test. Does it bring grace if I say it? Does it, does it impart grace? Is it encouraging? Is it building up or not? And that really makes it easy. What should we say? What should we not say? And we're talking about relation to other people. But notice this. Go back to verse 29 in the... Um, the New King James, back in the middle there, and then we'll read a couple of the verses around there. It says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Notice it says, Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Do you know it grieves the Holy Spirit? Now, let me just say this again. You have to say this because, you know, I know how Satan operates and how religion operates. Do not let this be condemning to you because you'll miss the whole point. Okay? We've all missed it. All right? Don't, don't let this, don't start, let thoughts come in that are playing stuff. Oh, I should have, yeah, I should. And just by the time you get out of here, you feel like you just had a whipping. That's not the point. The Word of God is to correct us, to help us so we can go up and go forward. Okay, so if you're caught up with something, that, that an incident that you wish you would have done better, you're going to miss what's coming out right now, miss the whole point, and what God is trying to communicate is going to be lost because we're busy replaying something that happened 10 years ago. Do you hear me? So flush all that right now and be present wherever you are. If you're online, if you're, you know, in the future watching this, just listen to what the Spirit of God is saying so that we can go forward. Okay? This is not... The Word of God is not to beat us up. It's to bring us forward. Now, the flip side is that we may have to change some stuff, but going back and feeling... Yes, feeling uh, regret and wanting to repent about something, if you have, is godly. But... Beating yourself up over and over is not godly. You need to come to that point where you realize, I've got to change something. Otherwise, I'm going to keep experiencing the same thing. That's godly. 
See, guys, when people come to Jesus, they, they have to know he is Lord. I was wrong. I got to bow the knee. You know, you have to come to that point. Well, it's like that with any truth. And, you know, this world is so full of just disrespect and cynicism and sarcasm that if you listen to the words that are in the world and you repeat them or act like that in our families and our relationships, we're going to be doing it wrong. We're going to be doing it opposed to God's word. And it's so easy to do because we're surrounded by it. It takes real effort to go against the current and say, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to say, that's not going to stand in my household. We don't talk to each other like that. Because we've seen dysfunctional families portrayed to us on, in all kinds of media and TV shows for decades of, you know, people that completely disrespect each other. You know, husband and wife completely um, tearing each other down and the kids and everybody's stupid and idiot. And it's all funny, but it's destructive. I mean, people, I'm saying funny in quotes. People think that's funny. It's actually repulsive. Okay, so we, we need to understand that probably stuff like that has influenced us some way or another. And so we don't want to keep following that no matter when it got implanted into us and realize, wait a minute, that's not, that's not what the, the Word says. So we want to go forward. So saying all that, don't, don't, don't fix it on something that, that happened in the past. Any one of us could say, oh, yeah, revisit something. I shouldn't have done that and just miss what is coming out. And that's a tactic. Let me say one other thing. That is a tactic of the devil to distract you in however he can when the word's going forth. Oh, look at that on the wall. Oh, look at that person's hair. Oh, man, you, something said and you, you drift back into something else and you miss what's going on. That is a tactic. Be aware. And I also say this, this is not to condemn anybody that's watching online. Thank God for people that we have the ability. But there is a big difference between watching a screen where you can hear other stuff in the room and other people are doing stuff versus being immersed here where there isn't all that stuff going on. And that is one very practical reason why it is so much better to be on site. Again, thank God. If, if you can watch online again there's no condemnation it's just we're, you, you can't stick your head in the sand and act like they're equal either right so no condemnation but we have to know the truth and look at the truth otherwise we're just going to floor ourselves. it's not about making everybody feel good about decisions it, it, it is about the truth and then yeah we don't unnecessarily like we're going to talk about spew things that that are not helpful on the, at the same time, there are things that are helpful that are uncomfortable. So anyway, it says here, verse 29. You guys okay? Verse 29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Verse 30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, one thing I was going to bring out, and I just wanted to touch on what we just touched on now with the condemnation. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. In this context, it just said, don't, don't let any corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but only what would bring, uh, would impart grace to the hearers. And then it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. 
And then right, right after it, you know, to whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So you go back to verse 30. It just said, don't, don't let any corrupt word, only that which would impart grace. And then afterwards, let all bitterness and wrath and clamor. And it, in the middle, it's saying, if you can go back to verse, the one we were just on, 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do you know it grieves the Spirit of God when we berate somebody else that is a child of God? Or, I mean, really, anybody, Jesus died for everybody. And so the words that come out of our mouth ought to, in, in, they should impart grace to the hearers. Well, do you know God hears everything that comes out of our mouth? Some people will censor themselves around you, but God is everywhere. When you realize, wait a minute, so you're okay with saying it in front of God, but you have a problem saying it in front of me? If that would become more real to people, we, we wouldn't say a lot of stuff. You know, well, they're not around, so what? I can say stuff? God, and if they're, okay, it, regardless of who they are, if they're a Christian or not, I believe that's going to grieve God. I mean, they're, they're somebody he died for. But especially if they're in the family of God, that's his son or daughter. Now, we're just talking about general. We're talking about imparting grace to the hearer. If, am, am I okay saying something that's going to be a d- destructive force in somebody's life? We're talking more and more about that person. Of course, that's not good. We want to say things that are going to build up, not tear down. But as a side thought, would you sit there and just conto- totally tear down somebody in front of their father? Like, Let's say they're not even there, but you just completely, you know, say all this really bad stuff to the father of a child. I mean, in the natural, how many people would do that? Like you're at school and you bump into somebody at an open house. We were just in an open house last week and, you know, you bump into them and, you know, their kid and you just start going off about how bad their kid is. How many people would do that in the natural? Like, no, we have more sense than that. But how many people will say all kinds of stuff about another person because no human is around when God the Father is right there present listening to everything that you're saying? (laughs) You should see. Are you guys okay? It's all right. Just look straight forward. What we say is not just who's hearing it in the natural. God is there. And we're not talking about, well, he's just going to hit you with a lightning bolt. No. We're talking about what's, is it producing grace? And because you know what, if it's real hard on somebody else, make no mistake, that's hitting you. Because if you're really hard on somebody else, uh, it's hard to receive grace when you're really hard on somebody else. Mercy, you want, we want mercy, but I'm not giving any mercy to this person. They ought to get this and that, and they're probably this. And God the Father, who sent his son to die for us, is listening to it. It's a sobering thought. 
<clears throat> and it, it will inform what we say. If, we, if we'll become more conscious of that, it will inform what we say. And this, this threshold of does it impart grace to the hearers? I think we have some... Let me just say this as an aside. I, I mean, what we're saying this morning, this is a little bit stronger. Of, it's a little bit heavy. You know, the Bible talks about milk, and then this is, this is probably something to chew on a little bit more. It's not just, just real, yeah, we look at ourselves because, okay, where am I on certain things? And again, not to condemn, but God, help me. Show me. Bring me up. And so this, this, this threshold of, is it, is it bringing grace? Is it, is it bringing people up in the situation, not just tearing down? And that, that will inform, do I need to say it or not? And when you think, God here is everything. So you're in a, a, a heated discussion with your spouse. And if you're both Christians, whatever you say, you're saying about that, you're saying about God's daughter or son that you're talking to. You know, and then we want to go, oh, but God have mercy on me. And we just got done just tearing up. Which on the, by the way, if you're married to a person and you're ripping them apart, you married them. What does that say about us? I mean, at that point, I mean, well, I didn't know. <laughs> You married him. What does that say? I mean, this brings stuff back to where it's like, I need to look at what I'm saying. It's not always the other person. What am, See, because this threshold, it, it holds whether whatever anybody else does. He didn't say unless they're a real idiot and they really messed up, fire away. Right? It said that it just, it, it, it says, let, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, get all that out of there. Don't let any corrupt word proceed from your mouth. Well, <clears throat> this is so related to everything, you know, other things that we'll get into and other things that we've covered. If we think that we can spew whatever we want about people and be, let all this evil come out of our mouth, and when we get done with that, step over and now start speaking to sickness and speaking to problems in our life and have authority, we are fooling ourselves. Did you hear me? If we're going to yield to the devil and to evil and tear up people and let corrupt words come out like it doesn't matter what comes out of our mouth, but then switch over and act like, well, now I'm in faith mode. Now every word I say means something. We are deceived. Our, we don't actually believe that what comes out of our mouth is powerful. Otherwise, we would stop swinging our words around like a sword and tearing up everybody around us and put a, a, a lid on it. Did you hear me? If I really believe my words are powerful, then I'm going to start monitoring them. Not just when I want something good to happen, but it doesn't matter if somebody's, you know, they messed up so I can just rip them apart because, you know, they, I have the ability to do that and whatever. You just messed up, but now God 
now I'm holy. In the name of Jesus. And you just ripped apart a son of God or a daughter of God. That, again, this is not for condemnation. This is to open our eyes that Satan is laughing at that. He's like, you just yielded to me for 15 minutes. You said everything that's been on your mind, ripped them apart, and then you have a problem, and you're going to now yield to God. Now, there is mercy, there is forgiveness. I'm not saying you can repent and get rid of that and go on, but I'm saying if you just switch gears and act like that was okay, and now you, got, you can say what you need to say, or you're just going to speak in authority, there is a disconnect. <clears throat> you can, we cannot be unhinged and speak all kinds of stuff that doesn't impart grace, tear down people, you know, talk about people in government left and right. Well, of course they deserve it. They need, they may, certain people may be wrong, but when I start speaking evil, I'm violating scripture and I'm, I'm actually hindering myself from being effective. There are ways to speak that don't cross these lines it does, it's not about not dealing with problems. It's not about speaking the truth. But there are ways to do it that aren't completely derogatory, disrespectful, and completely yielding to the wrong thing. Do you see that? You can be firm and respectful. There are certain things you can deal with the problem and not deal with all the side issues, the things you would like to say. Or we should say our flesh would like to say. Our flesh wants to say all kinds of stuff. And it gets us into major trouble. Well, I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind. Well, you may be out of a job tomorrow, too. They need to hear it. Do they? Do they need to hear it? Do they need to hear it from you? Do they care? What's the reaction going to be? Do you want to produce life, or are you just spouting off? Again, we've all missed it. But it's a tool of the devil. And there's a lot of Christians just, just flat out, they're deceived. Going around, tearing everybody down, acting like they can say all this stuff, but no, I stand in the authority of God. Would Jesus speak that way? Is that the way he would do it? That way, is that the way Paul would do it? Well, they deserve it. They're wrong. Jesus met a lot of wrong people. Is that the way he did it? Paul? Glory to God, we are chugging this morning. <laughs> Let's look at Proverbs 10, 11. Just look at a few verses here. No, our mouth is supposed to be... It, it's a fountain of life. It's supposed to be life coming from our mouth. Proverbs 10, verse 11. Can you put that up? The mouth of the righteous is a well of life. It's a well of life. It's a well of life. Look at it in the, the NLT. The words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. Now think about this. This all goes together. That's, uh, we have the spirit of the living God on the inside of us. Is there ever a time where God just goes negative to where he's destructive just to be destructive. Now, is there the judgment of God and the righteous? Yeah, and then he's going to declare what needs to happen. He's not going to throw a bunch of cheap shots. It just is truth. 
It's always right. It's not throwing stuff out that doesn't need to be thrown out. So we put ourselves in that mold where I am a fountain of life. If I come on the situation, it's not to tear people down. It's not to say stuff, well, I just think somebody needs to say. You know, when people are like, well, I I just speak the truth. You can speak the truth without being rude. Some people, what they mean by that is, I, I just am unfiltered. I just say whatever comes to my mind. I, I can be rude because that's just the way I am. No. We don't want that thrown at us. You, we, again, we went back to, at the beginning, just there's certain things that don't need to be said. It doesn't matter if it's true. Does it add value? Is it something that needs to be said? Or is it something that we just, we really want to poke at somebody? Yeah, there's things that need to be said, and they may be hurtful, but they can be done in love with respect for the other person, with total consciousness of somebody else's spiritual progress and where they're at, and with the consciousness that what my words say could actually derail this person, or it could help. So I'm saying them carefully. I want to say the right thing. It may be hard, but... I, I, I'm, my, my heart is to move stuff forward. Versus just throwing stuff out, and it's not imparting you know, in grace. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11 says, Therefore comfort each other and edify one another. Comfort and edify. The NLT says encourage each other and build each other up. See, we don't have to compromise ourselves in order to get the job done. We can interact, we're talking about whether it's family, you know, spouses, children, uh, at work. We can interact and do it in a godly way and represent, keep our witness intact, represent God without crossing the line where we're compromising ourselves and compromising the witness of God. And getting into the place where we're just being a tool of the devil. Because you realize the devil will help you say the wrong thing if you start yielding to him exactly the thing that'll get under the other person's skin the most. You have those thoughts rattling around, husbands and wives. It's like, well, I could say this. And it's just rattling. And you're starting to, you know, you guys are going back and forth or you know, spouse and husband and wife are going back and forth and you can, you can feel stuff ramping up and these thoughts are going. Be careful. Those thoughts, can, if we're yielding to that, there's a direct connection. Satan can be just, I mean, until just a, a demon's just sitting there going, yep, you can say this and this and this. And if you spew that, and all of us have made mistakes, it's designed to do the most damage in the least amount of time. It was like a bomb. And you said it, and now you have to clean up afterwards. That is never helpful. And again, we've all made mistakes, right? But there's a way to deal. And I'm not saying I, I've arrived in this area and have it all you know, perfect. None of us have it all perfect. But the Word teaches us that we can deal with situations and it's still impart grace and we're not letting other stuff that doesn't need to come out, we're not compromising 
ourselves. We're not crossing a line where we're saying stuff that is actually going to undermine our faith when we actually go to use it. It's actually walking in love. It's actually making sure you don't violate your conscience. You can talk to somebody just if you be conscious of this going forward, that when you say something, if I start crossing that line and my conscience is bothering me, the Spirit of God on the inside where the love of God is shed abroad in my heart, if it's bothering me and hold me, when you go to then use your faith, it's going to bother you. you need to, you're going to have to repent. And why do I want to have to make situations where I have to repent? It's easier to say, man, I, you know, the more you talk, the more you have to repent. A lot of times, just don't say it. You'd like to say it, don't say it. Again, not talking about not dealing with issues. You deal with an issue without crossing a line of saying what you don't need to say. Well, now you haven't compromised yourself. You have not given Satan a foothold. You still have not compromised your witness. You've not compromised your love walk. And if something were to come up a minute later that you needed to deal with out of the blue, because sometimes we think, well, I'm just going to let it all out now, but then I'll repent, then I'll get it right, and then I'll go on. What if some emergency pops up in a minute? Now, I'm not saying God's not merciful, but you want to be continually in a position where you can use your authority at any given point. And so if you, if you don't cross a line, you're still, your conscience won't. Satan has nothing on you. He can't throw anything because you won't give. You're going to say what you need to say. And if, if you do that, we, we're going to walk in love with people. We're actually going to impart grace. We're going to bring the situation up and move it forward rather than just give a bunch of stuff that people are going to now have to get out of their heads. We're going to have to extricate from our relationship and just, you know, repent of and, and ask forgiveness for and let it dissipate. And it's just messy. <laughs> let me read a couple more scriptures and we'll close here. But I wanted to put some of these in context. Just listen. Colossians 4 verse 6 says, Let your speech always be with grace. Always. always. Does, does it say always? Let your speech speech always be with grace. What if, what if, I mean, somebody really did draw, could you still be gracious even, even then? Yeah, you could. The Bible tells us. It doesn't use always unless it means always. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Well, maybe you have to pray about it. Colossians 4, verse 6, the NLT, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. You know there's a right, right response. There's some thorny situations, but there's a way. There's a way to deal with it. How would Jesus deal with it? May not, answer may not come to mind immediately, but the Spirit of God is the Spirit of Jesus. How the Spirit of God's going to lead you on the inside is what Jesus would do if he were dealing with the same situation. There's always a way. There's always a way to go forward and do what the Word says, still keep your integrity intact, not lie. Hey, going back to that, not, nobody, it, it is actually worse if, if you think, well, it's Christian to make them feel good. If you're lying, people can see through that and they're like, well, I don't believe that person. They're just blowing smoke. You know, they're just, 
They're not being real. That actually undermines our integrity. No, it's what can we say so that it's true. A couple more, Proverbs 10, verse 31. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. In NLT, it says the mouth of the godly person gives wise advice. Verse 32, the lips of the godly speak helpful words, even if it's hard to hear. Helpful. Proverbs 25, verse 11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker, right, wise rebuker to an obedient ear, saying, you say the right thing at the right time. It's actually awesome. It's, it's, a gold, it's golden. Isaiah 54, and we'll close with this. God has a way for us to say what needs to be said, to be gracious all the time, to impart grace to the hearers, it may be that we have to bite our lip and come back. Sometimes the best thing to say is nothing. But there is a way to move forward so that we can do what these verses are saying and what the truth is, what the Bible tells us to do, what God has given us instruction to do, but still keep our integrity still keep respect, still keep our witness, but actually deal with situations. And at the end, bring it up. If people will want to bring it up, because you can't control everybody. But you don't need to start going into destructive mode if somebody isn't willing. That's not going to help anything. That's going to put the brakes on. Isaiah 50 verse 4 says, The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. A word in season that you know what to say at the right time. It isn't that what we all want to be. You want to say the thing that will build up when somebody is weary. You want to say the thing that will help the situation. When you come on the scene, you want to have the words that are going to bring grace and bring light. Because anybody can throw bombs. Anybody can throw words around and blow up situations and tear people down. It doesn't take a very smart person to do that. But to walk through a situation that is a landmine, full of landmines, it's a minefield, and to actually say, God, God, help me. I feel like I'm, I'm in a chess match. If I say this, this is going to happen. If I say this, this is going to happen. How do I do it? He's got a way. To walk through, to say what needs to be said, and to actually be an encouragement. Grace to the hearers. Always.